Welcome to yet another episode of Campfire Coders. Oh, I was supposed to say, I'm your host. That's how we've been doing it. I'm your host, Austin Cameron. And I'm your other host, Jesse Lee. How's it going, Austin? Another wonderful day here. Uh, another wonderful day. Yeah. Getting some nice fall weather in. We never talked about that on the last one, but it's still nice fall weather here. Oh, yeah. It's gloomy uh, here. Is it? Yeah. You guys have been getting some nice fall weather, too? That could also be nice fall weather. Yeah. Uh, we're getting some sunshine, and then it's going to be cold before long, I'm sure. But um, So, Jesse, I have a number of questions for you that I have given you no time to prepare on. Um, <laughs> so, let I, we'll do a choose-your-own-adventure then. So, I'm going to ask you two questions. And you decide okay. which one you're going to answer. Okay. Um, oh, like I pick, I pick which question I'm going to answer. Well, yeah. Well, you pick about what we're going to talk about first and toss the, the metaphorical ball back and forth on. Okay. Okay. Question one involves basically like, how do you guys manage like, project manage what needs to be done at work. I don't know if we're allowed okay. to talk about that. So that's also, you know, I don't know how secretive the statomic, uh, you know, internal discussions are. We don't, have to, we don't have to reveal anything, but I'm, I'm just curious how you guys manage the work in the projects and the roadmap and how that goes. Question two, how often are you building at work or personal projects? How often are you, are you building or rebuilding rather components like drop downs or tool tips or all of those other little things that seem to be in every web app that we, I don't know if I'm speaking for any of our listeners out there, but I tend to rebuild these things all the time. I shouldn't, but I have a bad habit of doing it. <laughs> so those are the two questions. Like when's the last time or how often are you building things like that? And sure. And or, or, or rather, what, how do you manage the work at work? Um, do I answer both? Well, you, we can, we can, okay. but if there's one that you're particularly raring to answer, then answer that one first. I mean, we're just going to talk okay. about these things, I thought. Um, the second question, the drop downs and stuff, I feel like my answer is kind of lame and boring, but I, okay, as a, you, you know, the whole full stack dev thing, like, uh, yeah, I'm full stack, but I also don't really do a lot in the front end anymore. Um, okay. I thought that actually with, might be your answer. Yeah. At least it, with des, like design and stuff, like when it comes to Statomic, for example, we already have a lot of the patterns down, of course, Statomic is evolving, but Jack is sort of on the ball with, you know, tweaking and improving UX over time. Right. So and when he's there's good at like, that. yeah, yeah, he is really good at that. So, you know, I use, if I need to use like our version of data tables or um, drop downs or whatever it pop pop-ups, we have this like stack feature where like, you know, the panel comes in the right side of the, the yep. browser, mm-hmm. just stuff like that. I'm just reusing the stuff we've already used. The component um, system, if you will. Yeah, because we kind of already have our little library of stuff, right? Um, if I was working on an, another product, 
I don't know how to answer that because I haven't done. See, that's what I was wondering. <laughs> like, have you yeah. have you implemented a dropdown? You know, from Recently. scratch or even using a, a li- another library or you know, but like wiring yeah. stuff up. Even not in a few, not in a few years, really. Okay. I have a bad you? habit of doing this multiple times a year somehow. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, I generally, I will use stuff like if it's a view project, Tailwind UI is my go-to or the headless UI stuff that from those guys is great. Um, Caleb's got Alpine components, you know, the, that's like a basis for a lot of, because he's, he's thought out. Those are so good, by the way, folks, Alpine components are really good. Um, I would not be surprised if Caleb makes like a more like the final version of that, so to speak, becomes like a live wire and Alpine components for V3. I don't know anything. Don't quote me on that, but I wouldn't be surprised because it's like other people have done it. Uh, Philo's got the wire elements thing. That's good. Like Man, Philo. Yeah, he's, he's doing so much cool stuff. Did you see what he just made, by the way? Like yeah, yesterday? It's like the live wire pen thing. It's so called Wirebox, I think. Yeah. I'm stoked, dude. I literally, I okay, I have this, like, I've been, okay. I have so many things I want to say. I better collect my thoughts for a second. <laughs> um, and I'll finish answering. Like, I build these components more often than I should. I get some enjoyment out of doing it. Um, generally, I try to reuse what I've done in the past. And we're going to come back to this, but building really great ones is hard. Like right. even a tooltip, which seemingly is so simple, can there's like getting the little details right can actually be crazy on that. Like, mm-hmm. and I'll, I can get into what what details I'm talking about. Whether it, like accessibility things for sure, keyboard navigation, how focus states work, all that stuff gets nasty pretty quickly, even on a tooltip. Positioning. Not, what happens if you resize not, the browser? Yeah. Not to mention responsiveness and. That's what I mean. Bones. Yeah responsiveness, yeah. how um, animations, there's a whole other thing there, like little subtle transitions, if you will. And like, I love little animations like that. I, um, so I could spend an absurd amount of time <laughs> messing around with that. <laughs> but okay, let's talk about Wirebox for a second. I haven't, oh. disclaimer, I haven't like super dug into it yet. It has been a need for a long time. It's basically, uh, for you folks who haven't heard about it, uh, Philo on Twitter, I don't remember what his Twitter handle is, we'll post it. He he made, he announced, I think yesterday, Wirebox, which is, it's like code pen for LiveWire, like you said, Jesse. Right. But what, what really impresses me, though, is like, um, I've seen them in different languages. Um, I believe Duncan made one for Statomic Antlers, like a little Antlers playground thing. Uh, yeah. John Cost- Coster. Yeah, John Coster, Duncan, I don't know. Um, there, every language community seems to end up ha- getting one of these things, but Philos is on like a whole nother level because it's like it's almost like he has, it's not just like a text area or just like a text box, and it's not just a little bit of code highlighting, like code highlighting, like in code. Yeah, he's got the whole it's life like, cycle and everything. Yeah, it's, it's like he's implemented um, like an in-browser version of VS Code with, uh, like with the sidebar and the component structure all set up nicely for LiveWire specifically, but then the code intelligence is in there. And I was typing around in the code editor and all the indentation and it just everything felt like I was, Dude. like it wasn't, it wasn't uh, 
I wouldn't say it felt like native as if you're running a native app, like you're still in the browser, but it felt like he took it to a whole nother level. Like it was really right. Well, yeah. so I, yeah, I mean, I think this is the power of what can happen folks. If you don't just build those components all the time, but you use them to build something cool. <laughs> Good right. job, Philo. No, like <laughs> it, it comes down to that, right? Cause like, it feels like that. No, I mean, he's, he's clearly a beast when it comes to the engineering and like doing the, you know, development of these things. But it, yeah, the, the, the quality bar is very high on Wirebox and it's, it's going to be really nice for maintaining LiveWire. Um, it, it's really cool. Really cool. I think, it, uh, is it Wirebox? Have I been saying the right thing or the wrong thing this whole time? I just had this like flash of like, you said, you said the wrong thing. That does sound right, but can't quote me either. <laughs> it's it. I got to look it up now. <laughs> but I'm the... I'm currently have been building some of these components myself, but because I've been inspired by another UI um, and there's just so many little things to get right. Mm. And Philo has done a lot of those, right? With his wire, wire elements thing. Like I said, Caleb has done an incredible job on the Alpine components thing, particularly with focus states and the accessibility thing, which, and keyboard navigation, those three things get neglected, Right. People out there who are thinking, oh, tooltips are simple. This guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Have clearly never implemented those like details, those nitty gritty kind of like semi-hidden details of particularly focus states and keyboard navigation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I am now looking up Wirebox. Is it? It is Wirebox, yeah. Good. Whew. Yep. I'm safe. Um, yeah, I can't wait to use that. I got, I got the, you know, email or whatever. Yeah. Ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so you're, to answer your question, I haven't done side projects enough to have to like really dive into, you know, at least on that level, like the, your regular UX components for a control panel, login UX heavy type thing, you know? So, yeah. Mm. Well, I'm mostly just working in Stadimic and we kind of have our library set for the last few years. So, yeah, the reason that I, well, there's a couple of reasons that I even came to write this question for you. And that's A, I've been implementing some of this with Svelte, JS, and mm-hmm. TypeScript, and I'm bad at that stuff. So, and, and I think this is a common thing with the JavaScript world as a whole. Now, Granted, those the React guys seem to have it figured out, but they just have a ton of community projects. They're incredible. Um, I'm not a React guy, as we've discussed. So, but I think there's you know there's libraries out there for doing some of this stuff. But JavaScript developers as a whole seem to wire things up. No live wire pun intended here. They they seem to like always have to wire all this stuff together, right? And so there's something. For me personally, about having more of like a minimal, like, yo, this is straightforward and I understand it and all the details are handled. And I like digging into those details, whether it's animations or like the little keyboard navigation stuff. I think there's some, like, there's something that feels good about like, okay, this is the it component, right? And then you can just use them, as you said, Mm -hmm. you guys do in Statomic. Yeah, and I mean, okay, taking a step back, talking about wiring things up, I feel like Tailwind, right? 
yeah. is an example of a <laughs> there's all this controversy around the terms like library framework. Like I yeah. think there's some of the React guys say don't call it a framework. You know, it's just a library, whatever. Right. I don't care about the controversy, but um Tailwind being the it's a CSS framework that is JS based. It has like a front end build pipeline or like a config that you can really yep. customize how you build it. You can do the whole purge thing. Now they're doing their own. There's there's a lot of magic yeah. deep in there if you want to get into it. But if you just want to use it, you can just use it too, right? Uh, like I'm thinking of the CDN approach where you just yep. pull the play it in. CDN. Yeah, and it just works, right? And so when it comes to like what you're saying, like the UX components, right? Um, I know Tailwind is l- less components, more like CSS classes and helpers and utilities and all this stuff. But And then Tailwind has their own component library as well. But, um, you know, having having to say that JavaScript developers have to wire everything up all the time, you are kind of catering to, two, like, let's just talk about the two different kinds of people you're catering to, right? You've got, like, the people who just want to use it, like, let's say, throw a CDN link and just use it and get in and get out and, and be quick and be happy. Yeah. And then you have the people that want to customize it and and they want all of the event hooks and they want all of the everything that they could hook into with JavaScript so that they have full control over the lifecycle of this component. And they can oh. and then not to mention the fact that there's always a new framework of the day. What right. The whole like React View, Svelte, like all these cool tools, but there's a new one every time I change my underwear. And there's I'm just <laughs> there's something about me with control there and it's not to say about being a control freak but more so not having to rely on someone else to fix a bug if you're depending on a package i mean can go in any language right but if you're depending on a package and you encounter a bug and it's like oh it's gone stale and now you gotta fork it and use your fork or like that just sucks when you can have these minimal kind of like okay this is my component if i want to restyle it i just drop it into this other project and change the tailwind classes and i'm done um, but how many times, let me ask you this, how many times have you, um, opened an, an old project or wanted to copy something into another project Yeah, and you try to build the thing? I'm thinking of back in like yep. even pre Laravel mix, like, you know, gulp, you know, you switch from gulp to webpack and now you have to like redo your build pipeline. And then you realize that the, you're, you're using stuff that doesn't compile anymore. And so you're trying to update all the things to get everything to compile again. And (laughs) that's why it makes no sense to do, to make like these boilerplates all the time, unless you're using them continuously. So, which I'm not, but I do apparently get some strange joy out of redoing all this stuff. Right. (laughs) In this case. Okay. In this case, to my defense, I am exploring another stack because I want, because I want to see what it's about and learn stuff. And that's also exciting to me. But the with this, with Svelte? So it's Svelte, Towery, and Rust for desktop right. apps, right? And I know native PHP is a thing. Um, and I think that somewhere out there they're working on a Towery driver. Um, but it's not there yet. And it's not that I'm opposed to Electron. Here's what I don't like about native PHP, and and I probably just need to dig into it more. It's built on top of, say, Towery or Electron. And if you have a problem where you're like, I need to reach down into Electron or even deeper, I need to reach down to some OS binding, 
I, I don't know how to do that. I don't want to be submitting a, a pull request to native PHP. I just want to build my app that I'll probably throw, throw away anyway. You know, like I just, mm-hmm. I want to learn desktop apps in general, I think are fun to build, but they have other problems, like other window management right. problems and things you don't have on the web. And if you run into those problems and you can't reach down into bare metal, it can be frustrating at times. That's what I'm getting at. Native yeah. PHP will be there, I'm sure. If not, there, I'm sure there's ways to do it already. Um, but I'd like to, yeah, I'm trying to learn the problems in desktop apps a little closer to bare metal. Yeah. And Svelte everything is, is a tra- enjoyable. Every, everything is a trade-off, right? Yeah. Where, you know, you, I think yeah, of just true. elect... Forget uh, native PHP for a second, but just Electron in general, you know, um, you know, I, you hear the people that hate Electron with a fiery passion. <laughs> right, right. And yeah, I, I get that it. side of it. Yeah, I get that side of it because, you know, um, Electron apps sometimes are not quite native feeling. Um, sometimes yeah. they feel a little buggier. But also, if you're a developer who has to create an app for three different operating systems... I see the draw. I see like I can't. Aff- Let's say I'm I'm a small startup and I've got eight people. I can't afford to have a dedicated Swift team, a dedicated um, you know Windows team, all that stuff. So it's like you know working in something like React Native or you know something getting something out that's like Electron based or whatever, just to be cross platform, whether it's on phone or desktop or whatever it is. I, yeah. There's like it's a, it's a trade off. There's pros and cons, right? I think like with native PHP, Marcel's doing some really cool things. One of the things I've, I've oh, it's seen super since he, cool. I, since yeah. he's posted it, there's people posting on Twitter like little screenshots of specifically menu bar apps that are like little yep. tools and helpers that like maybe they connect into a third party service. You know, you think of like the, um, I'm just thinking of like the someone a while back had built like a Forge uh, menu bar helper that they could go and like reboot servers and right do simple like common things on Forge servers without having to log into Forge. Um, I feel like React, or not React, um, native, native PHP yeah. is going to be really cool for people to build all these cool little utility apps, right? Like if Statomic decided, hey, we want a desktop app for something, it, I don't know what we would use oh. that for, but it, it would be like, hey, this, is, this, is, this could be a really cool um, place to start, right? Here's where I'm at and- with that. I love the idea of it. I can't wait to use it. I... I've thought about actually trying to dig into the Towery driver a little more myself because I kind of wired up a prototype of doing that because I originally, right, I wanted to use Livewire for all the UI in a desktop app. And I've been thinking about this problem for a while, a couple of years, you know, different ways to do it. Um, maybe doing it maybe like the 37 signal style where they like will respond via an API with like a whole drop down menu that you can use in there or whatever. They do some crazy stuff there with their like, hybrid-ish approach. I don't, I, I've i thought about it a lot. I made a prototype last, well, in, when I was working on the Towery stuff and like, I made this thing and I was like, oh, I've created a monster. <laughs> I, I had no idea how to bundle PHP, right? But I got a Laravel app running via, like via the PHP server in a Towery app. And then I could communicate from a Livewire component into the Rust backend of this desktop app. Right. And I'm like, wow, this is crazy. And then I was like, but there's so many problems to solve here that like the bundling PHP and the security stuff that I don't know what I don't know. And all this like desktop apps have a lot of stuff that I don't know. So anyway, I, I've been doing this in Svelte and that's why I'm 
been building some of these components myself again because uh, I just want to be like, okay, what what does it take to do this? And it's been a fun way to learn uh, Svelte and stuff too, almost like a, a little boilerplate for myself to build desktop apps on. We talked about right. like, if you can use a component library, but if you have your own, like not that I'll necessarily ever finish it, but I've been having fun doing it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I don't even know where we're going now with this conversation, but <laughs> we've gone way off track, but that's how, that's how it goes. No, that's good. Um, you had asked about project management too. I'm actually curious how you, you do as well. Okay. I guess I can answer first. Well, yeah. Are you allowed to answer here? The secret well, in your workings? I don't No, There's not. Yeah. Again, it's, <laughs> I, I was just curious. Too much to say. The, these well, are, we're, 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 we're a small team and we use GitHub a lot. Um, and we use, Basecamp, some okay. Um, we, we use Basecamp more just for like our, um, I guess you could say like weekly, our more like broad weekly goals or like our broad roadmapy type stuff. Okay. Um, but then everything on a more like feature level or bug fix level, like it's all of our tickets are all in GitHub. So. Um, okay, so you you guys use yeah. that as like the GitHub is like the issue manager. And then Basecamp is more like work cycle road mapping kind of stuff. Yeah, just more high level team-based stuff, like when we're going on vacations and, you know, when we're in a rut or what are we doing this week? You know, what did we work on this week? All that kind of stuff. And then probably like some internals Slack or Telegram or something. Oh, Slack all all day long. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and Tuple for a lot of our calls and stuff like that too. We... Well, yeah, what about you guys? Well... So uh, this is these conversations where you work again. I forget if you've said that on the podcast. I don't know if I No, I don't want to say it because there might be some weird medical law and maybe I'm just fear mongering over laws that I don't know about, but it's yeah. I mean, we run a bunch of Laravel apps and they have live wire front ends and it's in the medical kind of certification industry. Cool. Yeah. You can probably find it somewhere out there. You internet sleuths. I had nothing to do with the website. That's my other disclaimer. Um, but so, so the how, but the deal is we run a small, like we have three devs, including myself. So it's a tiny team. Right. Uh, and, but I'm the guy who's kind of sits as the leader in the project manager. And I, we've kind of evolved this process. And the point is, this all, actually, this is all related to the components too. <laughs> We're going to get back to that, but maybe if I, if I can tie Linear? it back together. What's that? Linear? Yes. Okay. Well, we're going to get to okay. that. Yeah. Okay. That, yes. Yeah. So it's all related. It's just, these questions that I both asked you are all, all very related to recent experience. So I have been thinking for a while now, months, about not necessarily problems, but I'll call them kind of points of friction or sticky points in in our how we work and how we track our workflow. And to bring you and the listener up to speed, I'll quickly summarize. We started out with just GitHub issues because we have, there's only a few developers, but there's a ton of support staff in our, in our company and some other kind of IT people. And they, you know, and then there's end, kind of the end user too, um, and people taking tests and whatever. And so they, 
we don't really have like a Zendesk or a thing like that. We're like old school phone support people, but inevitably we have requests. We do our own roadmaps. And generally I've been in charge of this. So we had GitHub. It was like, it worked. There's nothing wrong with that. We just do issues and pull requests and normal stuff. And it ends up feeling over time as the backlog backs up, it ends up feeling like this giant pile of issue cards. And you're like, well, I guess I'll just take one randomly off this. Like there's not a lot of prioritization. Right. And granted this, most of this um, kind of reflection, I've been doing a lot of thinking on this recently, the past like month in particular. And most of the reflections are like me wondering, am I doing a bad job as a project manager? Because I don't like to go in there and like, oh, now I prioritize this roadmap, but inevitably this other thing came up. Right. And, you know, like it's just, it's not the funnest work when I'd rather be, not that I want to write code 100% of the time either, but it's like doing that project management roadmapping stuff isn't really great if you're just the one guy kind of doing it in the dark. And so our two, our two sticking points, I will say, were we had this delay from something being done, and I'm finger quoting here, but like this kind of stagnation, kind of consolidation period between something getting done and it actually being shipped. Like, right. And I think a lot of times the delay was unnecessary. Like there's no reason that that shouldn't have just been shipped two or three weeks prior or whatever it is. And it's not, not that I think anyone's doing a bad job. It's just this is one of those things where I'm like, I'm seeing this happen a lot. These things kind of like get to the finish line, but then not over it. And there's this delay period. And I didn't love that. And I also didn't love that even myself, we were constantly asking and re-asking ourselves, well, what should we work on next? And having to do that whole prioritization. So again, this reflects bad on me. I think a lot of the problem is me not doing the work to prioritize all this, the pile of issues. Mm -hmm. So eventually then we moved to Notion. This quick summary has not become so quick. I'm sorry. <laughs> but we, we moved to Notion, right? And that effectively, it was moving all the GitHub issues into Notion cards. And then we had more controls for how to filter and view them. And not the, like GitHub, this was a while back, a couple of years ago now. We moved to Notion. We were documenting it. But eventually, then we still got to this point where it's like a pile of issues and you can sort and filter them all you want. But there's still no like, we have to have these long road mapping meetings and we're doing it wrong, right? <laughs> I think. Um, and I've read like the base camp, the famous base camp book, Shape Up. I agree with some things there. They have like the the way that it works. If you haven't read it, folks, is like you shape the work and you kind of write these just vague enough, you know, like specific, just specific enough, but yet still vague tickets so that the engine there's some room for the engineer to do them, and then you kind of have this betting cycle where you're like, oh, I'm going to bet two weeks or four weeks on how long this one's going to take. And then you go into the work cycle and it doesn't, they don't, they, they have this concept of like, maybe you have, if you're three developers, two people are on a work cycle and one is on like floating to handle the things that inevitably come up. Uh, over time, I don't think that really works great for us because um, it, it's just not fair to ask someone who's like, oh, here's the two weeks that you get for this. And then they have to float and like help out with something else like that stuff happened. That kind of stuff happens all the time. Mm -hmm. So anyway, we're at Notion. We have all of the things in there, but it's just not the sticking point is not knowing what to do next. Very 
consistently, um, or, or rather not having like a clear er roadmap. And that falls on me. I should have just done that. And yes, we could have used Notion for this, but so I, I thought about these two sticking points and I'm like, yeah, I'm probably the problem here. But in particular, the shipping thing, I think it's like, we don't, the, I think, I think these problems are so interrelated, right? So then I started thinking about like, okay, well, could we use something else, right? And I was like, the the real problem or the real, uh, what's the word I'm trying to look for here? Sorry. Uh, it's like, these are symptoms of one problem in my opinion, and that is mm. us not respecting deadlines. None of that shape up stuff works if you don't respect the deadlines of like the work cycle. Mm. Right. If you guys all bet, like if we all bet, oh, this is going to take two weeks, we're going to get this work done. And, and like sometimes I get it. Sometimes it takes longer. That's that's not the problem. The problem is if we just arbitrarily add another three to five, eight weeks, whatever, onto things. Because mm-hmm. the beauty of that shape up system is you have to scope hammer. Right. You have to you have be the, the time constraint of a deadline forces you to scope things down is what it comes down right. to. So yes, linear, man, what a freaking app. Um, I, in an effort to, because we're pretty informal at my work, like in terms of this stuff, clearly, uh, I've just, we're, we're informal, but I like, I was like, and I don't want to be too formal. I, n- I never want to be a micromanager or something like that. I imagine, so imagine I was like, okay. Maybe we just need to add some formality to things like work cycles um, and kind of respect those deadlines better. And then some of these problems just go away. Right. The further I dug into that, I, you know, I've known of linear for a long time. I think simply their landing page designs for, for nothing yeah. else, right? <laughs> like they're like linear, the linear app though, folks is freaking incredible. I re- I have never tried the actual software until recently. Right. Like and it is it's a total game changer for me in right. a number of ways. Have you tried it? I No, um actually yes. Barely. <laughs> uh maybe a year or two ago I think we had dabbled with the idea of maybe using linear and it for some reason didn't really take off for us at the time. Um we wanted to integrate tightly with GitHub. And uh, at a past company that I worked at, we were using GitHub for our code base and then Jira for, you can hate on Jira all you want, we're using Jira for like our project management and tickets and all that stuff. And then, you know, cross-linking between, you know, throwing like GitHub issue and PRs in Jira. And it kind of got messy. And You're um, having to do all this manual wiring up. Yeah. Right. And then you're like, I'm doing this in two places. And I realized yeah. even then they they had like a GitHub integration for Jira and vice versa. Right. But still like, um, and I realized Jira is an older app now. So like linear already has time on its side just because <laughs> well, <laughs> it's, a, it's learning from all of the other apps. A right? friend, like, a friend of mine has been jokingly calling linear because I've been raving about it to him. He's been calling it a horizontal Jira. just funny but but. i've i've only heard awesome things about it um daniel colburn uh and um what's their podcast called shout out to their podcast i'm blanking who's they now 
<laughs> Daniel Coleman. Does, doesn't Daniel have like a bunch of them? Yeah, he's got a couple. Yeah, he's well, that's why I'm blanking on the name. It's not No Plans to Merge. It's his other one he started for his business. Talking Businessly. Um, talking Businessly, yes. Yes, Daniel and John. And John, yeah. I like that podcast. So, Good job. Um, on a recent episode, they were talking about linear and Daniel was going on a rant about um, how he was slowly refactoring his life to use more apps that had command palettes. And I thought, hey, that's that's pretty cool because a lot of us, if, if you're, especially if you're a keyboard type person, you know, you're you're in an app. Like I use Obsidian for a lot of my note taking just because I find, I like how it's flat file. I like how it's, it's not in some like hidden database that I have to export sure. to something else. It's like literally like I have the markdown files. I can do whatever I want with them. Um, but it's a very command palette based note editor with a lot of like community plugin support. And it's not the app that's the point. The point that I'm trying to make is that a lot of the best apps have like a really good command palette as well. Yeah. Right. And I've heard linear is like, if uh, uh, Daniel was saying in this episode, like linear is like incredible with how it integrates, not even like a cent, just a central command palette, but I think he was saying like when you right click on something or like um, just the, the, uh, the ability to like, let's say tag or assign someone to something like the way how every, it's almost like there's like little command palettes like spread out throughout linear. Oh. Like how everything is just like a few keystrokes away essentially because you can just kind of search dude for whatever it's, you want wherever you want the way that the app is designed has like exploding head emoji for me it's blown yeah. it's crazy it's so good it like so, okay let me back up for one second we i decided right i'm like plugging plugging along like oh how do we add more formality to work cycles and stuff like this and so i'm like i'm like ah well, here's what i really want i want like a way to I wish we had a better way to integrate Notion, right? I miss like being able to link a PR in a commit message or whatever, like the little GitHub number auto linking stuff. Right. You know, I, and it was just like, man, I wish we could like just kind of like glue these two things, GitHub and Notion together better. Right. And so my, when I tried linear, I was like, oh, it can be this glue. I think this is actually maybe the piece and how we can add some formality to the work cycles. And then it, in like even a couple of hours, I was like, we're, I mean, we're still, we're integrating. We use the GitHub integration in pull requests yeah. and don't change that part of our workflow. But, but I was like, we're only using Notion for like long form documentation right. or what, like there's no reason for me to use that for like that part of, for the day-to-day work project management anymore. Totally went to linear, never been happier. It added cool. all the formality already. We just like, it's been a few weeks now, right? So we're kind of like yeah. in the midst of work cycle one. <clears throat> And, I keep hearing good things about it. It makes me want to check it out. Oh, dude. Yeah. Okay. I have gone totally off the deep end here. So I, I'm going to have to go listen to what Daniel was saying. I have not, I have not heard this podcast episode you referenced. Yeah, it's a we'll good, have to it's link a good it. episode. Yeah. Um, well, it's a good podcast too. Go, yeah, go listen to those. Yeah. Guys, but yeah, yeah. yeah. I fully agree. It is an awesome podcast. Let, let, let me ask you this question though. Um, and I'm not knocking the tools because I, I'm excited about the tools. But when it comes to I'm not a project manager myself, um, so I'm not in the position that you are. And at Statomic, Jason Vargas is doing a lot of that for us, um, and and Jack as well. We, I guess we all sort of manage the project to an extent, but yeah, um, I get it. I mean, we do the yeah. same, right? We can you, being the, able to self prioritize is good. Yeah. 
so you self-prioritize to an extent, but there's a business problem there that no software can solve is I think what I'm trying to get at. So no matter how good the software is, but you don't want the software to hold you back. If the software feels clunky, then project manage you get lazy and the lazy the yes. clunky the clunky UX plus the laziness in our developer brains. It should uh, get out of your way. Dude. Yeah, so it should get out of your way. So um but the 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 business problem though is that what should you work on next or what should you prioritize? That's something that the software itself can't solve, but maybe the software can help you see from like a bigger picture maybe, you know. Yes. So I'm thinking of like, You're for right. example, we could, right. even even without having, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of people just literally deleting their backlog, right? Or uh, yeah, did, well, did Caleb did, yeah, Caleb closed them all and then added yes. the bot, right? Exactly, yeah. I, so that whole concept of like saying, oh, I'm going to close all the V1 issues because if they're important, someone's going to ask again. Yeah, right. That's true because, um, you know, for example, with Statomic, we find that. You know, there may be things that I want to work on, and sometimes I get the leeway to work on things that I want to work on. But sometimes, organically, you know what you should be working on because you have so many people. It's what bubbled up, it. yeah, or a bug, yeah, a hot fix, or whatever you need. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's priority on certain bugs. You know that that's not secure, or that's not um, that's like hurting people's daily workflow. So you want to address those things. But then also you have the features that people want, like the feature requests and the enhancements that. They organically happen. If you, if you notice that there's like, you know, 30 people asking for this thing, yep, it's more important than the, ish, the issue in your back, deep in your backlog where nobody's asking for it. You just put it in there because you were excited about it six months ago, you know? Okay. Well, so, <laughs> so this brings up a really good point though. And that is, th- this brings up a really good point. And kind of the counterpart to all this is Linear has their own method that they publish. Right? It's like, we were, I was talking about the book Shape Up, the P- right. free PDF from Basecamp or 37 Signals guys. Shape Up, like Linear has their own version of this called the Linear Method. And man. Oh, okay. You're, it I, I was, I was is, confused there. You, you mean like a philosophical. A manifesto, approach. if you will. Yeah, right. Okay, of like, sure. hey, here's how we think about this. And here's even little bits on how we use our own tool and why we designed it this way. And it's gotcha. this, I read it all, right? Like I was like, staying up late reading the linear method. I'm nerding out on this. And software design aside, which I can gush about, I've totally gone off the deep end. Totally. Like I have a linear workspace for our work and now I've started doing personal projects with it. I love it. Okay. Like the design, the way it's designed. Another good example of an app like this is Notion. I think Notion gets out of your way, but there's Mm. hidden complexity there. Uh, when you start right-clicking on things or clicking on the little block indicator, the different block types. And, and it just the way that Notion's designed, though, it still feels like a simple note-taking app, and you can keep it that way until you need that complexity. Right. Linear, yeah, the, the command palette, how you get around it, it's raised the bar for me with like what is a good app in terms of keyboard navigation and and all of that UX design stuff. Like They, they nail the details on so many of these little things. And it, so much that it inspired me to like rethink that, like, well, that's why. And then I find myself building all these little UI components in Svelte now. So there's that. But <laughs> see, I told you I'd bring it back. But beyond that, the linear method, there's two things in there that I loved 
coming from Shape Up, right? And maybe that's just I needed to be more strict about this in Shape Up. I don't know. There's it has all these concepts built in, right? So the concept of a work cycle, you choose your cycle length. You don't just define new cycles. Like the tool will just do it for you automatically. It has kind of its own opinions. So, but out of the method, they call out specifically that you should leave space, you know, only go 80% full on what you're projecting to do because stuff right. always comes up. Right. Whereas the, the base camp folks shape up, call this like, oh, the, the floaty guy or the floating, someone's always floating or cool down period or whatever all those terms they use. Some different terms, yeah. Yeah. The the gist of it is the linear is just like, no, it's not a big deal. This is always gonna happen. It always will. So just leave space for it. That's it. Love that. Right. Uh also love that they call out specifically what you were saying. They say the tool's not useful unless it gets out of your way. It should feel effortless to use it. Part of that is the UX, yes, but a lot of that is also how it's conceptually designed. Right. You know, you everything's organized into projects. And they even call out like you should have not like a backlog shouldn't be too big, you know, like, and they have tools that will do that automatically. Like if something has been in the backlog for like a year or two, it, they just it just archives it automatically. We haven't been using it long enough to do that yet, but it's it's been inspiring for us to use that in a number of ways. Highly recommend checking it out, folks, if you haven't simply just for like the UI and how it works. Hmm. It's like you can click around it, but then you start right clicking and then you learn the hotkeys and it's like, it just, it's amazing how it's designed to be really incrementally and easily adoptable. Like, yeah, I, like I said, I think, I think the, I think the thing, the, I, the thing that I struggle with, um, one of the things you just said there was, um, you don't, you want to have a backlog, but like every sorry, you know, not that you want to have a backlog. Everyone has a backlog. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. It's if you're a successful, if you have if you're a successful business, you likely have a, a big backlog that just keeps growing on you. Um, but not letting it get too big, and we find that difficult because, for example, we have um, well, we have like a whole bunch of GitHub repos. Well, but um, yeah, like our two main, as far as our issue trackers go, we have like you know an issue tracker, GitHub issues for each and every little static add-on, for example, but for core specifically, we have split it up into two different repos. We've got static slash CMS issues, NPRs, and yep. then we've also have static slash ideas. And I mean, it doesn't feel totally ideal, but it's working for us at the moment. And the reason why is because we found the backlog was getting too hard to manage because even though you can throw like GitHub labels on everything, yeah, there's so many things that like you want to give somewhere for, especially an open source product, you want to give somewhere for someone to idea dump on your product. Oh so yeah, like, it would be really cool if you had this. Be really cool if you had this. Be really cool if you had this. And then when you're prioritizing to see if there's like you know 40 thumbs up emojis on the on a issue, you know that there's a lot of interest there. And if, if there's another, you want to be able to leave those public issues in the community so that the public can interact and can talk and discuss and throw their emojis support on issues. But then there's a difference between ideas and like needs, right? Right. So for example, um, what's an idea to one person might be a need to another person, but there are certain needs that are like just definite needs for everybody when it comes to like, maybe for us, it's like bugs and multi-site, um, I'm thinking multi-site is what we call like our localization multi-site feature. Yep. So, um, you know, there are things that we, like there are areas of our app that we know we need to improve. 
And especially when there's a bug or something that comes up that is a pain point for people, it's like everyone knows it's a pain point. We know it's a pain point. That's not just an idea issue. That's like a something that needs to be in our backlog. That it needs to be in our backlog till we address it. But well, and those those ideas issues we have in a separate repo. And the nice thing about GitHub is we can transfer issues back and forth between the two. Right. But I, I, how how do you deal with that though? Because like for you, you're not an open source product. I was going right? to say this. So you can, Two things. Maybe you can control the size of your backlog a little bit, but when you're working in an open source product, you can't control the size of your backlog. We're always just trying to like, you know, quell stop it. it from exploding. Yeah, on quell us. the the tide of the backlog. Yeah. I, we are too. We are too. Um, it wasn't that I, you know, like I think having too small of a backlog is a is you shouldn't. I mean, like, there's always stuff to do. There's always going to be stuff to do, and there's always going to be stuff that comes up. But in terms of that, like. It may be different for an open source project. Uh, I'm sure that it may be a little bit like you can turn that feature off, by the way, the auto archiving. You can turn that feature off in linear, for example. And you can also, you also might have a separate workspace dedicated to those ideas or, or like the whole thing of when it, when it archives them, it, I don't, you might be able to make it close the issues automatically. I have no idea. They, who knows? The, the GitHub mm-hmm. integration is pretty good. Like, so the workflow cool. for us now, uh, I uh, actually, I won't get into that too much, but the, 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 if something gets archived in linear, you can still go find those archived issues. Those ideas can be in the backlog. It's just, I think sure. it like, imagine the metaphor of a pot of soup, right? And the backlog is actually the stuff that's kind of bubbling and floating at the top. That you just right. haven't a pot of ramen broth. There you making. go. There you go. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So imagine that you have your bowls. You're almost ready to serve. <laughs> We're going to go deep on this. Ramen this is from analogy. this is from the last. Yeah. This is from the last episode. By the okay. Way. But so so imagine you have this big pot of soup, and that's your issue management system. I think the idea is that. Like the backlog is all the stuff that's kind of floating along the top that you haven't served into your bowl yet. The bowl would be like the work that you're actively going to do, right? So that's the stuff that you're going to move into active. I'm working on it soon. The very bottom, you know, of that pot of soup boiling is would be like your archived issues. It's like you'll get to that. You'll put it in the fridge for a while. You can always move them back into the backlog. So it's just the idea of like your backlog almost being split up into the visible portion and the inv- invisible portion. Sure. Which I love cool. because it just it's just a way to quell that tide of all That's the stuff true. going on. Yeah, because in, in GitHub, there's no like arc. Is there GitHub? I don't think there no, is. You just close the issue, can, right? And so like you could yeah, still. Yeah, I guess if it's, clo- it's, if it's closed, it's still there. You can delete an issue, but we never really delete them. Yeah, right. Um, it's closed. It's still, it's that's kind of their way of doing it, but you could. You know, you could. The thing about GitHub's message, messaging with the closed those, if you clo- if someone in the community in an open source community submits an idea or an issue and you right. close it because it's not priority, then they feel like you've shut them down. Yeah, right? I know. That's what I was gonna say. It's different in an open source project. So, but maybe but could, you manage it, those it, with. It linear. could just be. It could just be the messaging too, though, right? Where, like, um, when it's closed in GitHub, I'm getting a little semantic design here, but. Yeah. When it's closed in GitHub, there's like a red thing saying no. You know, it's red now, it's closed. Tr- right? True, true. I mean, like, there's, a, there's like a, like green, green is good, uh, purple is merged, red is 
closed, not happening. Like just people see red and they think bad, right? Um, whereas what you're saying is like, no, we're considering it an archived thing that we may get back to later. It's not necessarily off the table. It's just off the table right now. Right. Yeah. And yeah, the thing is, yeah, there's some, I mean, certainly controversy around the bet. I don't think anyone's ever found the best way in an open source project to manage all that stuff. People have tried stuff like Caleb did with the live wire. I think the tailwind (laughs) guys have tried stuff. I'm sure, you know, like people have tried the like, Oh, we're just going to actively close things. As a way of saying, well, we'll wait till this resurfaces. Yeah. You know, it, it's at the end of the day, it's all about organizing the junk drawer, right? In that <laughs> junk drawer of issues or cards or tickets or whatever you want to call them. Um, it's true. Been blown away, but like, I just, yeah, go out there, folks. So, okay. Read the linear method. Linear. Maybe it works for you. Okay. I got to read this now. So, anyway, um, takeaways linear. Is, is amazing. The ultimate junk drawer management app. Yes, totally. Okay, cool. Totally for doing for doing work and getting work done, and you get all these incredible little things of providing transparency to that work too. Because this is something I didn't mention, which I love, um, and and maybe they talk about this in Shape Up. It's been years since I've read it at this point, and I don't. Yeah, I am not a large language model. Quite the opposite. I don't remember things. Um, anyway. <laughs> We uh, the they mention if that that cycles things that don't get finished in a cycle automatically roll over to the next one, mm-hmm. which doesn't necessarily solve the deadline problem. You still try to respect the deadlines. It's a way you work type of thing in a different like different deal, but it it allows you to to it trains you to make better estimates. I can already see that happening. Uh, that reminds me of like. Um, I worked at a job where we did the Scrum Agile thing, story point management and stuff. And mm-hmm. how if you can't fit enough stuff into a sprint, you can roll it over into the next one. And right, you know, we're all just we're just recycling ideas and remixing them again. But exactly, yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's true. Um, but also, it's a freaking joy to use that app. Nice. So go try it out, people. You'll see what I'm talking about. Command palette, right clicking. It's. I want to build that into every app that I ever build moving forward. So, yeah, I've only heard people rave about it, so I got to go try it too. Yeah, I thought we should start one up for our podcast. We should like start up a linear for our. That's actually a great idea. It's, uh, we can totally do that, dude. Uh, yeah. Cool. <laughs> if it gets you to use it, you'll see what I mean. Then, then you'll be raving about it. I mean, yeah i I thought, oh, it'll be fun to kind of build this little starter kit for myself to build out these desktop app ideas that I have. And as much as I'm going to be a user of native PHP and I'll probably rewrite all this stuff as live wire components someday, I thought I'm just going to use something that like I'm going to learn Towery and Svelte. So I did all that, but then I was like, well, I've kind of got these concepts of state and all this stuff figured out. Like I should build like a mock UI and I'm like, well, naturally I'm going to build like a, a portion of the linear UI and dig into the, all the details that makes it great dog fooding yeah just to like figure out how yeah yeah exactly so then i did that in this desktop app and then I, that's that's where all that's all where all these questions came from <clears throat> all coming nice. back to doing some work on I'm not sure what i'm doing but it's fun is it in just so the listeners are aware um i'm pretty sure this is the close button app that you sent me teaser of yeah 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 the uh <laughs> the laravel you know meme Close button, uh, three colored dots in a Mac app. Yeah. Only screenshot. Cool. Um, it is. All right. Well, yeah. 
So thank you, folks, for listening. That's the end of this episode. We'll see you on the yeah. next one. See ya. Bye.